Hey friends, this is Jason from Cornerstone Dog Training and CornerstonePuppy.com. Here to talk about phase four of our puppy training program. We've already talked about the overview of the whole program, phase one, phase two, phase three, and here we are at phase four, the final phase of puppy training uh, through two months to five months. And of course, these things all apply later on as well, but it's a foundational part of those first three months of having your puppy. All right, so in phase four, we start working with uh, some socialization uh, where we actually get out and doing more things uh, as well as, you know, being around other dogs and people and, and ways to take care and to build that into your dog's training. Field trips are part of that and uh, a couple of little games that really are awesome continuations of, of focus as well as boundaries from the other phases. All right, so let's start with uh, socialization. As we talked about before, we like to call socialization composure training. So socialization in the human world is kind of like, you know, I'm going to take my kids and there might be a little play date or a recess or something, and I want them just to go play well. When it comes to dogs, playing is the easy part. I mean, that's what they've been doing their whole life. You, if you think about it, they have siblings, you know, puppy litter mates, and uh, that's what they do. They play, and as they get older, they practice those hunting skills and, um, you know, practice the hunting and tearing that a carnivore does. And so if you ever watch a bunch of little puppies, they're all over. I mean, they're rolling, they're growling, they're you know, biting, and, and that's just what they do. And, and again, it's just a playful thing. It's not that it's uh, mean or anything like that. It's just them practicing and preparing for what they inherently would feel would be life, right? Their, their natural instinct to prepare for life, to be able to, to hunt and, and, and to tear. And so well, it's funny because we take these animals and we want them not to do those natural inherent things. And so we, we work with them. That's what training's for, right? So we want them to have composure in areas like, you know, when we have people come over. We may not want a dog to bark and charge at the door. Um, when they see another dog walking by. When uh, you're walking around a store or, you know, you, you just want, when guests come over, you want good composure. And if you boil it down, when we're talking about dog socialization, that's what we want. We want a dog to be able to be calm and collected in these hard situations, wherever we may be. And that's really what, that's what a service dog is, right? A service dog is just able to stay calm in tough situations. I'm a teacher and I have um, a student that brings a service dog every day, and uh, this service dog does a great job. You know, like I, I, I know as a dog person not to to pet that dog or to focus on that dog, um, so I don't. In fact, I went five months before I touched it because she asked me about something. <laughs> so I, you know, I, I walk. This dog sits right up front, right by where I walk, and I step over the dog. No, no problem. The dog is in is has great composure in a, a classroom setting and you can help your dog have composure in lots of different ways i mean we've got military dogs that are have socialization or composure with helicopters 
or being put in a harness hanging from a helicopter, right? And repelling or things like that. Um, there's amazing things that dogs can do that they can be comfortable in. And it all comes down to this composure. Now, the beautiful thing is if you've done phase one and phase two and phase three, you're really ready to be able to use the skills your dog has learned and the training your dog has to be able to apply that in these settings. That's really the whole point. Now, when it comes down to it, most of, uh, let's see, how do we put this? Most of the, the mental memory of a dog and their socialization doesn't really come at week eight. Would, would they probably remember stuff? Maybe. But like if a dog had a traumatic experience at week eight or week nine, um, they, they start, their social window really starts to open at about 12 weeks, 12, 13 weeks. And it starts to close after about six months. Now it never totally closes. Okay. Um, that's where the idea of you can't teach an old dog new tricks comes. Really, it's, it, that's not a true statement. We do that all the time. We work with dogs that are 15 plus years old, but it's harder on the socialization aspect, your dog's um, perspective on life after that point. So this is vital time, right? You don't want to mess it up. And a lot of people try and go too fast and they try and jump in and it's all um, excitement, all adrenaline. And that's exactly what we don't want. Okay. It's all just pressure. I've heard of people saying we went to um, a place that shall not be named for dog training and uh, our dog was nervous. So they had us hold our dog tight while everyone came by and, and, and pet our dog. That sounds like a traumatic experience to me. Like I, the dog is feeling pressure, like they're being scolded, right? Remember, pressure is a correction. Um, we want it to be direction, but for a puppy, it's almost always like, especially continued pressure, like a hug, usually doesn't feel very good to a dog. Now, we like to hug them, so we socialize them to it, right? We teach them that this can be a good thing. and But most dogs aren't really comfortable in that situation. And, uh, man, that would just not be a good thing to do. So we this is where a lot of people mess up, is with the socialization of their dogs. We have a whole podcast on socialization earlier, um, and I'm sure we talk about some of these things. But when it comes to your puppy, you want to start to train these things in situations that you can hopefully control the outcome more. And then the more you do that, then you can get into scarier situations. And when I say scarier, I mean like you can't control things as much and um, you can see that your dog will translate over these things. So if a dog learns, like for example, with we're saying calm and composed, if a dog learns that every time I see another dog, it's playtime. Their body's going to learn that every time I see that trigger, that dog, I need more adrenaline because it's go time, baby. Let's play, right? And so when a puppy's young, like I say, the playtime's the easy part. What if they only, you know, like they saw another dog and it wasn't always just go, 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 100 miles an hour. What if they saw another dog and it was calm time? What if they were doing a place command together? Or what if they were training on a leash while another dog was in a place command or several dogs? So they see all these dogs and they're like, hey, let's play, let's play. And the dog's like, no, 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 I'm doing, I'm, I'm working here. 
the other dog starts to learn that every time I see a dog, it's not worth it for my body to pump adrenaline through, uh, to pump adrenaline through my body. Okay. It's not worth it. Our bodies are pretty efficient that way. So most of the time when we have issues, especially with hyperactivity, we've trained our dogs to be adrenaline junkies. So we get one way people do this um, commonly on accident is they want to get their dog excited about a walk. So they, they remember they're going to the park. So they grab the car keys and they're like, hey, let's go. And so every time that someone touches the keys, the dog actually chemically learns to pump adrenaline in their body. And they get excited. They might start barking. Um, and for a puppy, their their spikes are higher and their lows are, are faster. And so socialization to have a good composed dog where again it playing is not the hard part like if you want to get a dog going it is not difficult what's difficult is being able to have it both ways so if you start this way in the socialization phase you can have it both ways where you can have a blast with your puppy you can be excited with your dog whenever you want but you can also calm down fast so, for example, my kids will play with our dog that we've worked with for several years, right? But we'll play with our dog and we'll play, 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 play. And then we'll say, place, Coco, place. And she's going to go on a spot and boom, calm down in probably less than 10 seconds. That's how it works. Now, at the same time, we run a business. And so a lot of times um, she'll hear someone walking up because that happens often. And she'll let out a little bark. Could we fix that if we wanted? Yeah. Sometimes it's kind of nice to know that someone's approaching. So I don't mind that so much. And that's an adrenaline rush. That's her saying, whoa, something's happening. Right? And, and she's used to someone walking up. And then, of course, a new person comes into the room. This happens with a lot of dogs. And it's an adrenaline rush because all of a sudden our whole pack has changed. Right? Their world could totally be different now. Who is this person? Are they a good leader? Where do I fit in the whole, you know, totem pole of authority. So it's an adrenaline rush. Now, if a puppy learns to be calm, they don't have to stress about that. They don't have to police that. So it's a beautiful, beautiful thing if we do this right. You're going to use all of the skills you've worked on. So, you, you know, you've got like waiting, you've got the place command, you've got heel command, you've got come command, you've got um, sit and down, and you've probably even trained um, like a, a word like wrong or no to teach a dog that that direction you're going is not good. So you've got all these things to help your dog focus on you as well as like eye contact and release words. Now you use them. So let's say I want to go on my first field trip. We'll use this as an example. I want to go, usually for a field trip, we wait till at least three, three and a half, four months to go on field trips. Um, there's several reasons for that. Could you go earlier? Yes. Um, you, you know, the the possibility of parvo goes down after more shots. And so we kind of wait. There's lots you can do before then anyway. It's not a big deal. Um, and then after that, you want to get out a lot. Like you want lots of, you know, you might go to like Home Depot or um, Lowe's. And you might go to places like that that allow dogs. Um and practice. And it might be, for example, in the parking lot the first time. Okay. So think of the adrenaline rush this is going to be. You're going for a drive. That's another thing to work, socialize your dog with. You're going for a drive and um, you stop at this big box store 
and you're in the parking lot and there's cars places and people are moving and there's this big building and bigger than they've maybe seen before. And so it's an adrenaline rush. What you're going to work to do with what you've learned already is work through that adrenaline rush. So I might do place or down or um, heel for a while. And I might actually just work a dog all the way to a calm state, calm state of mind in the parking lot. And that might be the whole field trip. You don't have to push it too far. That's usually where people mess up is they go too far and they're like, oh, well, this is going good. So I'll go in the front entryway. Oh, well, this is going good. So I'll go inside. And sometimes it just becomes too much. You want to, uh, you want to end on a very positive note. So uh, as a trainer, this is one of the harder things is to just say, let's take our wins and step away and we'll come back another day instead of be like, oh, we're doing good. Let's keep going. Let's keep doing more and more and more. And then something bad happens and you're like, duh, now I have to come back four times or five times and have a good experience to make this even better. So you want to, you want it to be as good as possible. For example, I had a, a dog I was training to be a service dog for a young girl that had had cancer for over half her life because she was only about five or six years old. And uh, this dog had been to elementary schools and it was about, I would say, uh, four and a half months old at this point. And I'd been to lots of stores and things like that. But um, I was in the checkout line at this store practicing going through a checkout line. And another dog that w- didn't have good boundaries uh, came up and wanted to sniff behind this dog. Now, I, I knew that this would surprise this dog and knowing the do- surprise the dog I had, the service dog in training. And I knew that this other dog um, was probably bred to be more nippy. So I intervened. I, I, so I stepped between that dog and, and the service dog. I wasn't going to let that interaction happen. Now, would I later? Yeah, I could totally do that. And I'd rather do it on my own terms with a dog I know, um, because I was afraid that this dog would sniff and my dog would turn around and this other dog would nip it. And I, Besides the fact that I'd watched this dog being unruly in the store already, it wasn't going to happen. And the owner of that dog was totally gracious about it. They were like, no, no, I get it. Like, you're good. Um, but you have, you have to really advocate for your dog in this stage. And I don't want this to freak you out. Like, field trips are really, really fun. I'm going to go, like I say, I might start in the parking lot and that's it. Calm all the way down, go back in the car and go home. Then I might go to the parking lot and go into the front area of the store and just kind of be by the carts and do a place command or a down command for a little bit, even off away from everybody, and then go. And then maybe I walk into the store the third time after doing the parking lot and the entryway, and I go to the side of the store where I I know there won't be as many people. So those are great things. And if someone asks to pet my dog, remember, we're dealing with we're trying to work the chemical aspect of this, okay? So we're, we're dealing with adrenaline. And if we can train it first before we have the, – it's much harder to get rid of the chemical training. Like if you can, you can stop it from happening, it's easier because if a dog gets kind of addicted to that chemical or their body learns, hey, we need adrenaline right now for this, then you've got weeks to work that through their system. So if somebody comes up and says, oh my goodness, look at your, oh, they're so cute. Can I touch your dog? And they're leaning over. You jump in front of them and you kind of say, no, sorry, they're training. And some people won't like that, 
but when it comes down to it, you if this dog learns that I'm out here and anyone in the world can touch me, a lot of times for a dog, that's a stress that uh, produces adrenaline. So I'm very, very cautious right at first. And it's just kind of like I, I, it's me and the dog and it's not really anyone else. I actually didn't really let a lot of people touch my dog for about the first year of her life, especially in a store. I mean, of course, at home and in situations like that and kids walking by, I, could, I can work with that. But we live by an elementary school, so kids walk by all the time. But when it comes to like being at a store or when I was training, I don't want people in that situation to touch my dog. I don't want to raise the adrenaline. I want to basically build myself a service dog without the service because that's how I can have an awesome dog for a long, long time. If they offer your dog a treat, sure, you can take it, but you take it. And then you give it to the dog later. Okay, um, we don't want the dog to see the big box store and think, oh, this is where I get food or, oh, this is where people will touch me. Oh, this is where I can sniff anything I want. No, this is all about training. Okay, so composure with the commands we already have in this situation. And, and I hope that makes sense. I hope it doesn't seem uh, uber strict or anything like that. It's just the best, most efficient way to get a dog used to things. Now, you can do this with anything. So if you have someone that comes over that is going to be like, oh, look at your dog, I would tell them, hey, um, I want to invite you over so that my dog can do some socialization. Um, would you just ignore them? Would you just ignore them for about, you know, the first 20 minutes? And I'm going to have my puppy do a place command. And then when the, the puppy goes through the adrenaline, natural adrenaline curve of someone else coming into the, the home, then... They go all the way down to, you know, and they're, they're calm. That's a great time to meet. If I wanted to meet other dogs, a great thing to do would be do training at the same time. So they're both doing a place command in the same room. Or they're going for a walk together that's focused and um, has a purpose. And it's not just roaming around. And really, that goes pretty fast. Like, if I want to introduce two dogs, that's a great way to do it. It's just teach them that it's not just all adrenaline and all craziness. Once I go through the stress and the adrenaline, you can feel it, you'll feel it. Okay. You'll feel your dog relaxing and not being like all excited and crazy. Then you go forward with it. Now, some people don't really understand or it's gotten too bad. They don't, you don't know how to fix that. There's other ways to work through that. And so I'm kind of talking in an idealistic situation. Um, but don't, don't feel like, oh, if you're sitting there saying, yeah, my dog, couldn't do that. You don't know my dog. Uh, trust me, we can help you. Like you can, you can do this. And the principle is the same, although maybe the tools are different or uh, the technique would be a big part of that as well to teach those different things. So I, I've probably exhausted that topic. Um, there's way more things you can socialize your dog to anything, any situation, um, escalators, elevators, there's certain hotels that will allow dogs. Those are good places to go to practice that. I like to go to airports and uh, you can't go in as much anymore, but there's also always the, the front area that that is helpful with usually like escalator and things like that. I had a, a service dog I was delivering and uh, planned on getting there a little early so I could work with escalators, especially because the client liked to, to travel. And uh, I did. I went there. I got early and worked on that. And an airport's a great place where you'll find all sorts of people that won't listen to you. And, you know, I've had six foot five lineman sized men 
with squeaky voices come up to my service dog in an airport, which is kind of funny. But you're just like, what are people thinking? You, you know, like you're, you're training them. But uh, the my flight actually got canceled. And so I was in the airport for seven hours working on this. And I was like, well, that was a great training session. Um, you've got all of these things now at your disposal. Um, there's some little things you can work on that are just kind of fun and extra. Of course, you can teach all sorts of little things to a dog. Like you can teach a shake command. Um, I, I choose not to when they're puppies because it's like the easiest thing in the world. So when you're trying to teach a nuke or harder command, a lot of times they're just sitting there pawing and and they're like, well, this work, can I get food for this? Can I, you know, and so I don't even give them the option to start with. And it's an easy one to train anytime you want. Um, teach them to roll over, things like that. But some of the best foundational things you can teach them uh, that will bless your life later on that we also include in phase four is we like to teach a touch pad and a touch stick. Okay, so a touch pad basically is just, a, it's a little, think of like um, like a, a frying pan or something like that upside down. Okay, um, that's what I actually use. I go to my wife's frying pan i get her her pan out of the cupboard i turn it upside down and teach a dog to touch that okay and ultimately the end goal is for us to have them put both front paws on that touch pad and uh like a place command but just their front paws so their back paws are on the ground there's lots of variations of this but this is the basic part of it okay so it take put those front paws on there and then you start getting them to move their backside without uh, moving their front too much. That's an unnatural thing for most dogs to do. Usually where their head goes, their whole body goes, and they don't have a lot of back-end awareness. So this is great to teach back-end awareness and to ultimately help with your heel command. It will help um, in that regard. This is um, really a, a, a no-leash kind of thing. This is kind of just a food. We're just teaching them and working with them. When they give a little bit, like they put, they barely touch the pan at first with one paw, then we're marking that behavior with our clicker or our yes, and we're giving them food. Um, then they, you know, we just stop rewarding and they push a little further and they, they put two paws on and you say yes, and they just start to figure it out. It's a fun game. Your hand will get so slimy and gross from them licking food because you don't release it, but you hold it there until they do, you know, you, you, you guide them onto that. Touch stick is very similar. Um, it's basically, you know, like, I use like a two, uh, two foot stick, two and a half foot stick, um, with, I, I put a little tape on the end. Um, I go to, I go to like farming stores and get, I, I think it's like a horse crop or something or a pig whip. Um, they're just really short. I'm not going to use it to whip the dog, but it's a really easy way to just, um, we put some painters tape on the end so that the end shows up. It's not black. And, uh, you just hold it near a dog's face, and when they tap it with their nose, which is pretty natural for them to do. I always love showing people this because they're like, oh, my gosh, my dog is so smart. It's a pretty normal thing for a dog to do. I, I don't really know why. They just do it. So they tap their nose on that little blue marker where the tape is, and right as they do it, you just say yes or click and then reward after that. And they start to learn that as I follow and tap this stick I can do things so that's where you can get your dog to spin because now you're, you're not going to do that right away but you teach them to touch the stick you can get them to come up on two legs or to do a bag that way um, you can guide them through different obstacles there's lots of amazing things you can do with a touch stick so it's the beginning of all 
well, of pretty much all agility, right? It's a really good way to start to guide your dog without a leash um, in a different way. These are also, it sounds complicated, but they're really great things with a video. That's really what we do in phase four. It's all about getting out and getting socialized. So the last month, especially, we like to help dogs have composure in different situations, particular to their living uh, standard and even usually a little beyond to get them out and around other dogs and other people in a calm and collected, composed way. Field trips are huge. We get out, you know, you want to get out as much as you can and get around things. And um, don't be afraid, you know, when a, when a dog gets amped up, it's not a bad thing. Just practice coming back down, practice going through that curve. That's what makes a really good dog. And then play with the touch pad and touch stick and uh, enjoy your dog. Those are the four phases that we use over and over and over again to teach dogs to be awesome. If we're going to ha- train a dog to be a service dog, we use these same four phases. Um, and we, this is the beginning of all their learning so that they can be awesome. So by the time you're done, you know, you've, you've got a pretty amazing puppy ready to go into advanced training, ready to kind of take it to the next level and to do better in all of these areas. Thanks for listening, and we will be back soon with kind of the follow-up and what we would do next in a dog's world to help them go to that next level, to a more advanced level in the next podcast. Thanks, guys.